Janet Yellen finally wakes up and admits that she got it wrong on inflation. I mean, she's the Secretary of the Treasury. We're not talking about some, like, low-level White House staffer. Her whole job is to be in charge of the U.S. economy. And she says, you know, guys, I, I may have gotten it wrong when I said inflation was temporary. You think? I mean, I would not trust her to be a bank teller. I, I, I would not trust Janet Yellen at this point to operate the cash register at the local stop and shop. I mean, you know what? I said inflation. And we all knew it's not like the Republicans were not screaming. You had Bill Clinton advisors. You had Obama economic advisors, former Obama ec- economic advisors, Larry Summers, a Democrat, saying you're going to kill the country with inflation. You keep printing all this money. Hey, guys, you remember when we were passing all those stimulus bills and we were printing trillions of dollars and just giving it out for free? And I said, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. And Democrats and Bill Clinton and Obama advisors were saying, hey, this is a really bad idea and this is going to lead to massive inflation. I may have gotten it wrong. All right, the John Durham trial, the Michael Sussman trial is over and we lost, okay? Michael Sussman, Hillary Clinton's lawyer, was acquitted because Dem- it was all rigged. It was rigged from the start, which we told you. You had Hillary donors on the jury. You had a judge who was actually connected to Hillary Clinton and to, 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 to Lisa Page. The judge's wife is actually Lisa Page's lawyer. Lisa Page was one of these top people in the FBI, pro-Hillary, anti-Trump, one of the, one of the leaders of the Spygate investigation. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to be all positive. Look, I think Durham, he still might do some very good things. He might get some indictments. I I don't expect Hillary to be led away in handcuffs. I don't expect Andrew McKay, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page to be be led away in handcuffs anytime soon. What I do believe is that a lot of people are seeing this trial and they're worried that they're going to be next. And maybe they want to cooperate. Maybe they want to cut a deal with Durham and spread dirt on some of these high-level people about Spygate. But here's the problem. Durham Durham won. Uh, Durham lost, I should say. Sussman won. Sussman won. Durham lost. Sussman was acquitted. So the leverage that you want to have, Peter Strzok is watching, oh, what if I get indicted next, or Andrew McCabe, or even James Comey? I mean, so maybe I'll go cooperate and spill the dirt on Hillary. Well, why should I cooperate? If Sussman was acquitted, then I can also be acquitted because the whole system is rigged. So I hear some people, there are some Republicans out there saying, don't worry, give it time, be patient. This was only Durham's first try. Somebody said he actually had, he planned it this way. Durham planned it this way. Some nonsense about how... If Durham had won, if Sussman had gotten convicted, then it wouldn't have made the mainstream media. Now the mainstream media is reporting it. So we'd rather have publicity even at the expense of losing the trial. I'm sorry. No prosecutor wants to lose. No prosecutor ever wants an acquittal. So we'll give you some more details coming up. But look, if you're sitting there and holding your breath and saying, don't worry, we'll get him next time. Don't worry. John Durham is eventually going to get some high-level indictments. We're going to get our wish after all. Don't hold your breath. I hope it happens. As I always say, I'm cautiously pessimistic. I'm not cautiously optimistic. Sorry. Look, I try to stay positive, but I try to stay real. All right, but I want to talk about baby formula because the media – I'm going to play you a few clips here, including Biden literally getting caught in a lie about the baby formula. But the media is actually not letting up. The media is giving President Biden and the White House and this uh, Jean-Pierre, the Karine Jean-Pierre, the, um, the, 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 the incredibly incompetent 
a buffoon of a White House press secretary. She's a disaster. We'll get to that later. But um, they're giving the White House a very hard time about the baby formula for several reasons, mainly because we're talking about babies, even the media that gushes over Biden, that they, 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 they're always reporting positive news about Biden and burying the negative news, suppressing the negative news, suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop. And even the media, when it comes to babies being malnourished, babies being hospitalized, it's literally baby formula. And this was 100 percent, this, this shortage, 100 percent the responsibility of the federal government. We've been through it before, but there are more details now, so I want to explain this. But here's the thing is you're talking about babies like this is a major crisis. This cannot be like overstated. I mean, because there's still like a huge shortage and they're trying to fly baby formula uh, from Europe, but they're not doing it fast enough. And there are babies out there that could go hungry. So and, and it's totally on on Biden. It's totally on the White House. They completely, completely blew it. It's totally their incompetence and their negligence. And here's the thing is that it's not like this kind of thing, you know, baby formula, a shortage like this, it doesn't just happen overnight. You know, don't believe this narrative. Well, nobody saw it coming. I'm going to play you that clip where Biden tries to say nobody had any idea this was going to happen. And they're like, what are you talking about? All the CEOs of all the baby formula companies on a video, on a Zoom call with Biden literally just said that they knew it was coming. They've been warning you since January. So you're going to hear a clip. The heads of the baby formula companies were warning anyone who would listen, anybody in the White House, the FDA, the federal government, they were warning them. Maybe they didn't get directly to Biden, but Biden's advisors, they were warning them there's going to be a shortage. There's going to be a shortage. By the way, even I, I was buying baby formula back, I think, in February, and I noticed that there was a shortage on the shelves, and I looked it up, and this was already something that – so like regular consumers were aware of this. Somehow Biden says he didn't know until April, which is – it's insane. Either his people are incredibly incompetent and negligent, which they certainly are. Or he's lying, which he probably is. Probably both are true. But either way, the point is like this isn't supposed to – baby formula is like something they pay a lot of attention to. It's it's an industry that's very, very crucial. So the notion that like somehow everybody was just caught off guard, like caught by surprise, you know, it would be like you saying, you know what? Yeah, my car – like the engine fell out of my car, but I had no idea. My car's running smoothly. It's it's like a practically a brand new car, and then just one day the engine fell out. Go figure. Like that it doesn't have – you know, the wheel just – fell off. That doesn't happen. That happens with old clunkers. That happens after months and years of warning and of and of noises and clanking, you know, and 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 this rickety old car. You know, so like it's absurd. But here's the point. All right, let me play you the clip first. I have a couple of clips. But first clip is President Biden literally what he did was he met with the heads of the baby formula companies and then he tried to say, you know, we didn't see this coming, but there was a Zoom call, and the Zoom call, Biden was all innocent. You know, he's, he just wanted to let the, the heads of the companies know that, oh, by the way, we're going to be flying in and we're going to be trying to fix this, this crisis. And the heads of the companies were like, we told you about this. We warned you about this. So Biden then meets with reporters, and he, and he tries to lie and say, listen, we had no idea it was coming. A reporter calls him out on it and says, well, no, that's not true, Mr. President. Listen to this clip. The question you always on every single thing. Why didn't Jack sooner? Um, well, I don't think anyone anticipated the impact of the shutdown of one facility uh, in uh, uh, and the, the, the Abbott facility. And it was accurately shut down because it was the formula was questioned in terms of its, its purity. And so once we learned of the extent of it and how broad it was, we kicked everything into gear. And I think we're uh, I think we're on the way to be able to completely solve the problem. But. Mr. President, if they knew it immediately, the CEOs just tell you that 
They did, but I didn't. They did, but I didn't. It's incredible he gets caught in this lie. I don't think anybody anticipated that this would happen. Well, didn't the CEOs she, – she, she asked him point blank. Didn't the CEOs just tell you they saw this coming a mile away? And he says, well, they did, but I didn't. So I was lying a minute ago, and I said, nobody, I was lying, but you caught me. Obviously, Biden forgot what he was just told several minutes before, and that is not – Terribly shocking. But here's what's so, – so now Biden, by the way, he's trying to throw everybody, everybody under the bus and saying, listen, I had no idea. Nobody told me until April. I, instead of himself, he's trying to absolve himself of blame instead of taking the blame, as he should since he's the president and the buck stops with him. But here's why this was actually caused by the government on every level because the government actually as – I, as I said before, let's say you know they closed down. We know they closed down this, this plant, right, this plant in Michigan, Abbott Labs. So that caught, that's a huge producer of, of a lot, of huge chunk of the uh, – huge percentage of the formula in the United States. Here's the thing. When they close down a meat plant, right, or they close down a different plant of a different product, a wheat plant, a corn plant, you name it, that doesn't create a, a, a nationwide shortage. Did you ever ask yourself this question? Do you know that uh, two companies control 80 percent of the market of baby formula in the United States? Two companies control 80 percent of the baby formula market. That's an insane a, a, a percentage of market share where you have two companies. It's a monopoly. Basically, two companies, two or three companies controlling the entire industry. When it comes to beef, when it comes to wheat, I mean, you're talking about dozens and dozens of companies. Baby formula, it's two to three companies total in the whole United States. So if they were tomorrow would close down a plant that manufactures beef, right, that, that processes beef, or a plant where they process wheat or or, or some other staple, right, it wouldn't cause a, a shortage. You know why? They wouldn't have to start like – you know, they would need like Operation Flying Cow and like bring in the cows from Europe, bring in beef from Europe the way they're bringing in baby formula from Europe. It's absurd, right, the whole notion of that. So the reason is because there's dozens and dozens of beef companies. There are dozens of do- and dozens of wheat companies, of corn companies, you name it, of any product because there's something called free market capitalism but when it comes to baby formula the government has created an artificial monopoly for several reasons number 1 FDA do you know that baby formula is heavily regulated by the FDA they treat it like a medicine baby formula the ingredients are not that complicated but they treat it like a medicine i understand you want to protect children but like the amount of regulations it cost if a new baby formula company wants to uh, enter the market right now and like start up and, and and manufacture baby formula and and have permission to sell it in the united states it would cost them tens and million tens of millions of dollars literally which makes it not worth it for most companies because they have to get FDA approval, meet all sorts of restrictions. Now, after a baby's six months old and they're on Gerber or they're on solid foods, they're having like these little, you know, baby food jars. That's not that's not regulated. That's just like any other food that has no special restrictions. But they treat baby formula like medication and like vaccines, which really makes zero sense. So what that does is that drives out any sort of competition. So that's why closing down one plant has such a big impact because there's only like three manufacturers total in the entire country. In addition, we told you about the WIC situation where WIC, you have every state having an exclusive contract. Every state in the country only has – most of the baby formula that is sold is bought by the government through the WIC program. And that's fine, but they should allow mothers to buy whichever formula they want. But what happens is every state has an exclusive WIC contract with only one company. So there's only one brand of baby formula per state being bought by WIC. WIC buys the majority of the baby formula. So therefore, it doesn't make any sense for a company to operate – in any state if it doesn't have the WIC contract. So that, again, knocks out 
virtually all the competition. So before we get – and then, of course, the FDA incompetence where they shut down this plant, which this plant might not have even been the source. There were were babies that passed away tragically, and they thought it might be linked to that Michigan plant of Abbott Labs where there might have been some bacteria found or there was bacteria found or whatever. They don't even know that connection. And then the FDA, of course, shut it down for months and didn't bother to tell anybody. And we know how the whole thing unraveled. But it starts from the fact that the government – Overregulated. It's basically like Soviet Russia, Soviet Union, where they overregulate the baby formula market to the point where it's a monopoly. And 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 as I heard somebody point out astutely, that's what Ocasio Cortez and Bernie Sanders. That's what they want to do with the whole country. They want to do it with the car market. They want to do that with all sorts of food markets. Is it's literally socialism? It is literally socialism. Now I want to play you another clip, and this is comical. Where you have CNN's Jake Tapper. Who asked a tough question? He spoke to a top, he grilled a top White House advisor. Give him credit, Jake Tapper. He does do this. He actually did some real journalism, which Jake Tapper, I give him credit. He does frequently ask tough questions, unlike everybody else on, on CNN or even too many people on Fox News. But uh, th- this is a top White House advisor, um, wh- wh- a top economic advisor who I- is trying to excuse the fact and trying to absolve Biden of the blame here. And Jake Tamper essentially tells him that, you know, they're getting a lot of flack for the timeline because the timeline makes no sense because the White House is saying that they knew about it for many, many months. However, they did not bother to tell Joe Biden. And Tamper is grilling Brian Deese, top economic advisor to Joe Biden. Why did you not let the president know? And then the camera falls down mysteriously and they have to end the interview abruptly. Listen to this clip. I guess I still just don't fully understand why you didn't tell the president until April if the if the problem was reported to the FDA last fall. The FDA didn't check it out uh, and until, I think, December, and then they shut down the factory in February. The president, the guy who, the only one who can invoke the Defense Production Act to uh, force companies to produce the, this incredibly direly needed infant formula, he's not told until April. The Karine uh, Jean-Pierre, your, your press secretary, just said this has been a whole-of-government approach. That, that doesn't include the president? The FDA took the appropriate measures to shut down the facility in February. And when that happened, the FDA and the relevant uh, officials from across the government were on focused on the effort to try to increase production from other producers and also figure out how quickly they could get that facility back online. So there you go. Number one, I mean, how, how great is that? You cannot make this stuff up. The camera just falls down mysteriously. There's some who some speculate that he kind of gave the camera. See, Brian Deese is in front of the White House, so he's not in the same room as Jake Tapper. He's like on location in public and outside. So somebody, one of the White House people, knocked the camera down to end the interview early because what are you supposed to answer? J- J- Jake Tapper says, I'm a little confused. Like the president's the one who can actually fix this mess, this crisis, this shortage. Why would you not tell him? And, like, what's the answer? There is no answer. I mean, like, uh, uh, Mr. President, um, the unemployment numbers are down. Oh, and by the way, babies are going to starve. Like, you need to mention that to the president. All right, so let's get back to the John Durham trial. We lost, okay? Hillary won. The swamp won. The good guys lost. Let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not pretend, oh, we really won. You got to stay upbeat. You got to keep your chin up because one of these days Durham's going to get a real indictment, a real conviction. They don't get convicted. Democrats don't get convicted. You know, how many times do we need to see Trump's friends going to jail, whether it's Paul Manafort, you know, whether it's uh, Michael Cohn? And I know Michael Cohn turned on Trump, but he, he was an ally of Trump. He was Trump's lawyer. He went to jail. 
Roger Stone, and of course what they did, they abused Michael Flynn, George Papadopoulos. I can name you one after the other, Trump associates who did nothing wrong. Some of them did. I'm not saying they all did nothing wrong. We're not going to get into that now. Manafort did something wrong, but it had nothing to do with Trump, nothing to do with Russia or collusion. And uh, uh, Michael Cohn, he he did things that had nothing to do with with any sort of politics at all. Yeah, he was a very, very dirty lawyer, and he did did a lot of uh, very, like, Ugly things, all sorts of committed, all sorts of fraud, but nothing to do with Trump, nothing to do with Russia. But if you're a friend of Trump, they're going to send you a message. They're going to send you to jail. If you're a friend of Hillary, you get acquitted. Now, meanwhile, this, the judge was a, an Obama-appointed judge. The judge's wife is Lisa Page's lawyer. Um, the judge's daughter, by the way, is a teammate of Michael Sussman's daughter on some kind of rowing team. The jurors were Hillary donors. One juror was an Ocasio-Cortez donor. So, like, literally as soon as they chose a jury, we already knew that the trial was rigged. We already knew that um, the, 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 the verdict was in, you know, the, 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 before they even made their opening statements. Now, again, there, there is some good news over here. I get it. You know, and like I said, hopefully somebody sees this and says, wait a second, I may be indicted and I, I might not be as lucky as Michael Sussman. You know, maybe my jury won't be filled with donors to Hillary Clinton's campaign. But don't start telling me how John Durham planned it this way and prosecutors want to lose. They don't want to lose. They want to win. They want convictions. Now, the only good, you know, real silver lining here is that some of what was exposed obviously is very incriminating to Hillary because it was literally you had Hillary's like campaign manager testifying under oath saying, yeah, Hillary told told us that we should um, share the Steele dossier with the, not the Steele dossier, but shared dirt about Trump, that, that, that connection, that link that Trump had that was made up to a Russian bank. Um, she told us to disseminate that to the media. She told us that we should send that to the FBI. So you did have that. By the way, Sussman was guilty. Sussman was 100% guilty. The fact that he was acquitted, let's focus on that for a moment. It's egregious. I mean, it's, it's just completely outrageous that Sussman was acquitted because Sussman texted the FBI, say, James Baker, the lawyer for the FBI, saying, listen, I am not representing anybody. I want to share with you a, a, a piece of information, a piece of evidence against Trump, which was eventually used to spy on the Trump campaign and, of course, was used to investigate Trump and Spygate and all of that. Totally a, a hoax of an investigation. And it, it tore the country apart for two years. And the FBI took it seriously because Sussman says, I'm doing this on my own. And it turns out Sussman was doing it for, for Hillary. It was literally opposition research paid for by Hillary. Now, if Sussman had mentioned that little detail, that minor innocuous detail, oh, I'm doing this on behalf of Hillary, the Trump's opponent. This is opposition research that she paid for because she's trying to get dirt on Trump to distract from her own email server scandal. Well, don't you think that would have made a very big difference? And and that part was exposed um, in this trial. So that's a positive, but that's not like that's not our end game here. Our end game is to see Hillary or James Comey or one of these people, Andrew McCabe, led away in handcuffs. Meanwhile, by the way, the FBI, it turns out, has its own workspace in Sussman's law firm. Sussman's law firm, Perkins Coie, um, which was Hillary Clinton's very, very, obviously very Democrat, pro-Democrat law firm, there's actually an FBI office, like a workspace, somehow in the law firm. This is like, literally if this was fiction, if I like wrote this up in a fiction novel and I tried to pitch it to a company, they'd laugh me out out of the publishing house and say, what are you kidding? We would never like put this in a book. Nobody would ever believe this, that Hillary's law firm actually has an FBI workspace in the law firm. And then you have the law firm for years, it's been there for years, and now there are Republican congressmen who are investigating. Say they want to know why on earth here here's actually a um, a letter 
that was written from Congressman Matt Gates and a couple of other Republicans asking the law firm they want to investigate this. Quote, we have learned that since March of 2012, the FBI approved and facilitated a secure work environment at Perkins Coie's office, which continues to be operational. In a letter dated May 25th, 2022, the law firm confirmed and acknowledged the arrangement. And they said, you know, they would like to know why on earth th- th- this is allowed to happen. The FBI can be operating out of a Hillary Clinton law firm. All right, so a listener made the following point. A listener said, you know, we we, we made the point. We said, how could Hillary think they're going to get away with Spygate? Which it turns out they are getting away with it. But we pointed out that, you know, Hillary was supposed to win. Everybody expected Hillary to win. So th- this was this whole thing was going to be buried if not for the fact that Trump won and exposed all the corruption in the DOJ and the FBI and Spygate. And a caller said, no, no, no. He said, even Hillary, it's not even about that. And I and I get the point here. I totally you know hear this point, which is, listen, Hillary, they do these things all the time. They're so corrupt. We think it's like this is like a one-time deal. Hillary, I mean, remember the Whitewater scandal back in the 90s. Hillary, it's been one scandal after the next with Hillary and Bill Clinton and Obama, uh, IRS gate. This is how they operate is they're, they're such like – egomaniacs and and they're such power hungry people that it's like any corruption anything they can do to kind of have the influence have the power and control and no matter how illegal or or no matter how like immoral i mean spying on an opposition candidate making up dirt about him to to win your election and and distract from your scandal like it's it's unconscionable so they don't even think about it. It's like not even like because of course they're going to get away with it because they always get away with these things. So it's not like she was banking on winning. That was the point. Thought it was a good point. Um, here's a clip of White House Press Secretary Corinne. By the way, Corinne Jean Pierre, the new White House Press Secretary. Again, it's like Kamala Harris when you choose that or Katanji Brown Jackson when you choose based on race and based on gender. You don't get the most qualified candidate. You get the least qualified candidate usually. You know, you get you get somebody you're not choosing based on merit. So what do you expect to get? You get somebody who is totally, totally incapable of doing the job. This is the worst press secretary that I've ever seen. I'll give you an example. Jem Psaki. I'm not a fan of Jem Psaki. Jem Psaki, she dodged questions left and right. You know, she was very arrogant. But Jem Psaki, she was good at her job. She was a successful Press secretary, because that's what you have to do. You know, you have to kind of oh, look. I'm not into dodging questions. I would never want that job. Because and look, Republicans do also because sometimes the, you just don't have an answer. Sometimes you, you're representing the president, and uh, there are decisions that are made that are indefensible. That's your job. It's a tough job. I get it. But Jen Psaki, you know, she understood the question. She gave coherent, articulate responses. She certainly knew what she was talking about. This Karine Jean Pierre. She sounds like a fifth grader. I, she literally – she doesn't understand the question. She certainly doesn't attempt to answer the question. I mean she's just a disaster. She's just totally – she's incoherent. Like her answers make no sense. They, they, she, she can't even string together two sentences. So anyway, so, so uh, it, 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 it's cringeworthy. It's, it's, it's not even watchable. But anyway, she actually said that President Biden opposes hardening schools, hardening schools. Do you believe this? Securing schools, making schools safer. Why are the Democrats – I understand they want gun control. I get it. But why are they opposing the idea of hardening schools? But she actually literally said that it's not something that President Biden believes in, hardening schools. It, it, it makes no sense. And she said that the problem is with the guns. The problem is with the guns. So essentially what she's trying to say is why would we harden schools? Listen to this clip. Um, and so the problems is the problem is what 
with is with guns and not having uh, and not having legislation to really deal with an issue uh, that is a pandemic here in this country. Uh, and so, uh, you, you know, that is that is not his focus, uh, obviously. And uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to schools, and and I don't know what he said specifically about about schools. I know there's been uh, conversation about hardening schools. That is not something that he believes in. He believes that we should be able to to give uh, teachers the resources to be able to do the job uh, that they're meant to do at schools. Um, and this is something that uh, he's been focusing on uh, since he was a vice, vice president. So those are two things that he does not agree on. Uh, but look, he thinks there's a way uh, to potentially have uh, potentially come for for uh, senators to come together um, and Congress to come together they should they need to act I mean it's just unbelievable hardening schools is not something President Biden believes in and then she's stammering away and, and she's barely coherent President Trump pointed out that um, the COVID numbers are way up. And I know why we're talking about COVID, right? But I'm making a point here. Trump made this point this week, which is the number of COVID cases right now is way, way up. I'm talking about cases. I'm not talking about hospitalizations and deaths. I'm talking about cases. And there's a point here, which is, uh, as you can imagine, the media hypocrisy. That is the point. Because under Trump, you remember under Trump, even when the number of deaths were way, way down, and obviously that's the main concern with a pandemic is the number of deaths, right? Well, under Trump, they would always focus on cases, how many cases, how much it was being transmitted. Even if the number of deaths were down, the media always would talk about, oh, Trump's doing a bad job on COVID because look how many cases. That was always their focus. And it used to make me crazy because, like, why are you focusing on cases? There could be 8 trillion cases of COVID. If nobody dies, then nobody dies or, or you know, gets severely ill. So here's what Trump pointed out. Right now, the number of cases is five times higher than a year ago. Right now, the number of deaths on a daily basis – I'll read you some numbers here in a moment. But the number of daily deaths of COVID is about half of what it was one year ago at this time. It's, it's slightly rising, but it's about 300 a day versus 600 a day. And again, they don't track it well. We don't know how many deaths are from COVID versus with COVID. But the, the, the point just is – the number of cases is off the charts. A year ago this time, the number of cases was 21,000, 20,000 range per day. Now it's 100,000 per day, 100,000 cases per day. And Trump just said, listen, if I were president, the media would be plastering these numbers everywhere. But because it's Biden, they ignore it. And that's a great point. He's 100 percent right. But as we know, that's why under Trump, the media had like this 92 percent negativity rating. And of course, with Biden, it's like over 90 or 95 percent positive. They completely ignore the negative. And, and that's despite the fact that Biden is the worst president ever. I mean, baby formula, the economy, gas prices now hit $8 an hour, you know, Afghanistan, the border crisis. Uh, Biden is a, is a total and complete, like I would say he's a failure. He's an incompetent buffoon. But that's an insult to, to incompetent buffoons to, to, to minimize Biden's incompetence and only calling him an incompetent buffoon when he's so much worse than that. All right, finally, Janet Yellen. The Democrat. I was wrong. Whoops. Oh, well, I got it wrong. I said inflation was temporary and transient. And I'm the secretary. I'm the secretary of the Treasury, by the way. I'm like in charge of the economy. It's like I don't have any words to say. I'm literally speechless. Like you're in charge of the economy. Here's the thing is, you know what? It's not like nobody saw this coming. Every Republican on the planet said, don't pass more stimulus packages. We're printing trillions of dollars. 
you're going to lead to massive inflation. And you had the supply chain issue, and you had people out of work. There were just all sorts of things with the perfect storm. But everybody knew this was coming, including, as I said, many people on the left who understand the economy. And Janet Yellen, this is her job. This is what makes me crazy is like the WHO, right? When the WHO gets, gets it wrong, right? The WHO, the World Health Organization, who now you know, they want to sign a pandemic treaty with WHO, a bunch of these countries, like their whole job is to prevent a pandemic from spreading or to fight a pandemic or to protect people from a pandemic. And like that, that chance came to them with COVID and they not only failed miserably, they were complicit with China. WHO, they're so corrupt – they literally help China spread the vi- spread the virus, spread the pandemic. So it's like when that's your job, it's inexcusable. And again, it's it's almost hard to believe that Janet Yellen, who knows a lot about the economy, that she didn't do this on purpose. Like that, that this is incompetence. Like you, you almost have to conclude that she specifically wanted record inflation, as I keep saying, because the Democrats they want it. They want people to have less. They want people. They, they want people to have an economic crisis. They want. They they look at it as like somehow social equity. When like people when, when when poverty spreads, the Democrats are happy because like they look at it as like oh you know the middle class, the white people, the successful people. The, you know e- even even they're struggling. So like I, I truly believe that they want the economy to tank. This is like all by design. Uh, you know it's like these people. I know they're incompetent, but but are they really that incompetent? But anyway. So it's like when your whole job, how is she not resigning? I mean, this is literally your job. And now the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, which is um, which is actually a nonpartisan office, the CBO confirms that Biden is to blame for the record high inflation, as though we needed. We didn't need this confirmation, but it's been confirmed by the CBO. That is big because um, the CBO, if anything, they tend to lean Democrat and uh, they, they they literally confirmed that Biden's policies led to record inflation, $8 a gallon at the pump now in some states, and now Biden wants to raise taxes. The CBO says raising taxes is the worst thing you could do. Let me let me read let me read this to you here. The CBO's annual economic outlook adds further force to the arguments that have been made by other Democrats such as Larry Summers who was Obama's national Economic Council director, as well as Jason Furman, who was uh, who is Council of Economic Advisors chairman or, or, or was under Obama. The CBO is blaming Biden's covid stimulus for record high inflations. The CBO says that the stimulus checks that were sent to every family boosted demand and that caused inflationary pressure. In addition, by paying workers not to work, Biden's stimulus artificially slowed the recovery of labor force participation and um, that lack of workers strained the supply chains, which made a, se- a, a, a completely second source of upward pressure on prices. It's a combination because there's higher demand, there's more money, and there's higher demand. And in addition, there were fewer workers. They were literally – we told you about this. We were screaming about this for years, how they were paying employees not to go to work. So what that did is that slowed down the recovery of labor force participation, which means there's a supply chain shortage because – uh, what happens is the manufacturers, these companies, are not producing. So you have this massive demand, all this money flowing through the economy, and production slows down a lot because of the supply chain, not to mention all the other supply chain issues. The CBO predicted that the inflation will persist into next year. That's great. No surprise. Uh, and raising interest rates is going to be probably the only solution, which the Fed has 
threatened to do, but that's going to even cause the economy to slow down even further or contract because the higher interest rates go, the worse it is for the economy. So not such positive economic news, but hey, it is Biden. Uh, That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.